Hello, and welcome to Next Reads, a podcast where we read the first chapter of a YA or middle grade book to help you figure out what to read next. This podcast might contain language or situations some listeners might find offensive or unsettling. The North Liberty Library does not necessarily endorse any author's views, but it does support the freedom of speech and the freedom to read. And now, on to the show. I'm your host, Erin, Youth and Teen Services Librarian at the North Liberty Library. My pronouns are she and her. Welcome, listeners! Today, I am going to read the first chapter of a book that was released in 2020. I feel like there were so many books that came out in 2020 that just went unread because of the pandemic. So keep your eyes open for those kind of books that you may have missed. So this is called Six Angry Girls, and it is by Adrian Kistner. And I'm gonna read the cover flap because I always think those are a good lead into the first chapter. So it says, knit, riot, repeat. Raina Petrie is crushing her senior year until her boyfriend dumps her. The drama club basically dumps her. The college of her dreams slips away and her arch nemesis triumphs. Things aren't going much better for Millie Goodwin. Her father treats her like a servant, and the all-boy mock trial team votes her out, even after she spent the last three years helping to build its success. But then, an advice columnist unexpectedly helps Raina find a new purpose in a pair of knitting needles and a politically active local yarn store. This leads to an unlikely meeting in the girls' bathroom, where Raina inspires Millie to start a rival team. The two join together and recruit four other angry girls not only to take on mock trial, but to smash the patriarchy in the process. So I am all for a patriarch smashing book. So this seems like a good fit. I love the dedication is to Senator Elizabeth Warren. And again, this is a young adult book, and so would be geared towards teens. All right, so the outline of the first chapter has kind of like a court document heading. So it says, Raina Petrie, plaintiff, versus Brandon Roth, defendant. And the other side says, in the court of common decency of Cambria County, civil action law. And it has a docket number, and it says, jury trial demanded. So, January 4th, complaint. Everything was fine, until it wasn't. Everything was great, actually, until Brandon had to go and ruin my life. School was back in session from winter break, and I was ready to live it up in my final semester at Steelton High. I'd killed it as Catherine Manola in the Stackhouse Players' winter production of The Taming of the Shrew. Everyone said so, including the reviewers in This Town, Steel Town, and the Tribune Republican, and nothing usually impresses those people, nothing. The admissions department at Carnegie Mellon had caught wind of my performance and everyone said they'd be fighting NYU and even Juilliard for me, even if I hadn't applied to Juilliard. My evenings were filled with talks with my best friend, Megan, about theater craft and Brandon and college and Brandon and method and Brandon. Brandon and theater were kind of tied together for me, since he'd been the one to encourage me to audition for my first play in elementary school, way before we were even going out. 
At the end of last year, I'd just been elected Drama Club president to replace Kate Berry, who got cast in a movie and moved to L.A. I'd narrowly edged out the awful Claire Fowler by two votes. She'd been my chief rival since she won the lead at fifth grade summer camp, and every blasted summer after that. But I'd finally triumphed over her. Life had hit perfection by New Year's Eve, and it was only going to get better. Or it would have, had it not all come crashing down because of Dick Brandon. I came back to school on day one of the new term ready to persuade Mr. Cooper that we should ditch almost Maine, which we had done for the spring production two years in a row, and perform Radium Girls instead. I had notes and a USB-saved PowerPoint. We had a full house for clubs and sport meetings right after lunch. Thank you, football boosters. So I planned to corner Mr. Cooper before he got an earful from Claire about arsenic and old lace or, God help me, fucking our town. I practiced my pitch on Megan between bites of my sandwich. Almost Maine sucks, said Megan. Isn't arsenic and old lace done everywhere? We need something different. Well, Radium Girls is super popular too, but we've never done it here, I said, and I want it in my portfolio. Yes, heaven forbid we not have something in our portfolio, said Megan. She might have been hearing about said portfolio since Claire first bested me at aforementioned camp. You need to show diversity. Megan held up her hands. Yes, yes, for Carnegie Mellon's competitive drama department. I know, I know. You've convinced me. Down with John Cariani. Ring in the reign of D.W. Gregory to Steelton High's spring production. Yes, I said, but I was pleased she had been listening to my presentation. The PowerPoint had crashed her laptop. Go get him, Tiger, said Megan as a bell rang. I strode out of the cafeteria and down the hall with a purpose. This was my year. We were going to do the play I wanted, and everyone would thank me for it, even Claire. I rounded the corner by the guidance office to hit up my locker before my date with Mr. Cooper. I practically exploded with joy to see Brandon standing there. Hey, I said, rushing over to him. Before he could say anything, I threw my arms around him and pressed my mouth to his. That was not allowed in our sacred hallways of learning, but if you were fast, the teachers didn't say anything. The asshole even kissed me back. I thought you were doing something fancy extra chem lab today, I said. Oh, yeah. Mr. Bauer is out sick, and the sub didn't want any active flames. Something bad happened in his past involving eyebrows? I don't know. I'm going to stop into mock trial. New session is upon us. We have so many members this year, we might have a whole crew dedicated to researching for the competition team. Awesome, I said. I meant it. Brandon had wanted to be a lawyer ever since we started going out in eighth grade. He was the only kid I knew who read Supreme Court decisions for fun. His passion for law stuff kept me going in theater, even when I wanted to try something else like debate or mock trial myself. But Brandon said it was better to stick with one thing. He always said it'd distract him if I branched out into his activities. I respected that. I could be incredibly distracting. Though I always thought I'd kill it up there in front of a real judge. I'm going to convince Mr. Cooper that we can't have yet another year of almost Maine. Listen, Raina, he said, putting up his hands. Can I just stop you right there? I actually need to talk to you. He looked at the floor. 
He dug the toe of his loafer into a gray hole in the dirty hallway linoleum. Uh, sure. You okay? I said. Oh, God. Did his grandma die? She'd been sick since shortly after her 90th birthday party. Brandon's mom was stressed about it every time I ate dinner over at his house. Is it your grandma? No, no. Non is fine. It's just, well, you know how I went to Model UN camp this last week? Yes, I said. He hadn't been home for New Year's Eve, but I'd made the best of it with Megan. Well, some stuff happened there that I didn't tell you about. Because I didn't think it mattered, and because of your Stackhouse show and everything. But now, he trailed off. Dig went his shoe. Dig, dig. Stuff? What stuff? Ruby Carroll and I hooked up. His dialogue came out all wrong. Rushed, forced. No emotional connection at all. I didn't believe it. Ruby Carroll from Model UN, I said. Yes. You hooked up, I said. Yes. But you were happy to see me. You were really happy to see me just this Sunday, I said. I hadn't been ready to sleep with him until this year. But once we got started, woo boy! Brandon's parents both worked late on Sundays, so we had his house to ourselves. And believe me, I always got a great start to the week over there. We were safe. I would never... You were safe, I said. My voice bounced off the silver lockers and the diversity mural and the skylight outside the auditorium. You had sex with her? That's what I said, he glanced around. Maybe you should lower your voice. No, you... There are are a lot of meetings too hooked up. And you can shove my loud voice up your ass. I stepped toward him forcing him to back up against my locker. Why are you telling me this shit in the hallway, between classes, before drama period? I said. Apparently, there are pictures of me and Ruby. My buddy Kyle, well, you know he's an idiot. He posted them someplace. And I'm tired of it being a secret. She wants to go to Duquesne, too, so we wouldn't have to break up in May, even. We're together. His blocking was all off. The movements were slow, labored, rehearsed. But we've been together for five years. CMU and Duquesne are in the same city. What about last Sunday? I gasped. The bell rang. I could feel the staring eyes of the people who were trying to pretend they weren't milling around in the hallway to watch the fight. Five years is a long time. We're just not in the same place anymore, he said. We were both bored, Raina. Admit it. I would not. I could not honestly say that ever. I loved Brandon. His blue eyes, his blonde hair, his crooked nose, his round ears, and his brain. I loved his brain. He remembered everything, even stupid details like your favorite cartoon from when you were a kid or that you didn't like coconut. He first asked me to the movies under the apple tree in Central Park on September 4th. We had our first kiss on the day after Thanksgiving at the mall. We'd talked every day since then. He laughed at my jokes. He ran lines with inflection and improvised blocking. He said he believed in me and my talent. I'm not bored, I said. I love you. I balled my hands into fists and willed myself to breathe slower, steady breaths. You said you loved me too, every day, until now, I said.
I did. I do. But it's just not the same, Rena. His eyes pleaded. For what? Forgiveness? Understanding? But, I said. My nose was starting to burn and my eyes to throb. I was standing next to a Six Foods Teen Bodies Need to Thrive poster. And the love of my life was shitting all over my heart. I couldn't think of anything else to say. I'm sorry, Brandon said. How did he manage to sound like he actually meant it? I stared into his crystal blue eyes, looking for the gag, the joke, the prank that this had to be. A tiny part of me grew pissed off that this asshole was ruining the color blue for me. If you see the pictures, I'm sorry. I just stared, mouth open, comic, exaggerated features, jagged little shards of my heart poking against my chest. Brandon edged his way to the side until he flipped outside of my reach. He straightened his sweater and ran a hand through his hair. He walked away and didn't look back. I put one hand on the wall, another on the locker. Tears threatened. Tears of shock rather than grief or sadness. I studied how my face felt when angry or sad or excited so I could replicate the feelings needed in a given scene. But now, only shock. Breathe in, breathe out, I told myself. From the diaphragm, shallow breaths reduce vocal, fl- vocal power. Brandon turned the corner but I knew he heard my scream. January 7th, answer and new matter. I didn't do much in the few days after Brandon stomped my heart into dust. Mom only let me stay home from school one day, saying that since life would continue on, I had to, too. Mom wasn't a sit-at-home-and-cry type. She was a night nurse at a retirement community and took care of a lot of people whose minds and bodies no longer did what they were supposed to. It gave her too much perspective to be able to put up with much from me. And since Dad was away most of the year hauling dairy freight, it wasn't like she had any backup in the daily life department. She patted me on the head before leaving for her shift. There are plenty of other boys, Raina. We were together for five years, I said. He knew I collected teddy bears. He knew exactly when to put his arm around me at scary movies. I let him know everything about me, even things I wouldn't admit to Megan. He was another part of my body, a limb, an internal organ you couldn't just donate to some other girl without a thought. You are babies. You have nothing but time and chances. Use this in your art. Are you kidding? I said. No, I know it hurts, but there are worse things. Find a new boy, she said or a new whoever. Maybe we should get a pet. I've always thought having a cat would be nice. She never liked Brandon much. She said that he was too pretty and that the pretty ones take what they want and then leave when they want. I hated how she might have been right about that. Mom left to go work a double and I buried my face in the old overstuffed fuzz of the couch. Still mourning, Megan's text buzzed my phone. No one cares. No one understands, I texted back. I care. I understand. Want company, she wrote. Yes, I texted. Megan brought chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream and slightly more empathy than mom. I saw them today, I told her, making out by the gym. You'd think he'd have some respect for me in our shared space. Yes, Surely the dude who broke up with you for two weeks sophomore year so he was single for his spring break trip to Cancun would have some consideration, said Megan. 
Megan didn't like Brandon much either. Was I this unsympathetic when you broke up with Todd or Kevin or Jack? Jake. Most recent one was Jake, she said. And mostly, but I was only with them for about a month each. I will never get over this, I said. I feel like I'm going to barf if I even hear his laugh. I had, in fact, barfed twice just from hearing his laugh. I'd made it into the bathroom, but each time had been a close call. I didn't even know what I had to throw up since I'd barely eaten. You know what I think you need? Professional advice, Megan said. Like a shrink, I said. Oh, maybe. Your mom has health insurance, doesn't she? She's a nurse. Yeah, but it's super expensive. We have the probably will keep you from dying plan. I don't know if it'd cover much. Maybe I could go to the guidance counselor. Oh, maybe, said Megan. What do you have against him, I asked. Oh, nothing. He's a nice guy. I went for my college application stuff. It's just... She chewed on her thumbnail. Ruby is a student volunteer in that office. I stared at her. You aren't serious. I am. I saw her sitting at the desk folding brochures. Well, forget that, I said. I don't want to go anywhere near her. Yeah, said Megan. Well, how about here, she said, digging through her backpack. She unearthed an Oprah magazine. You think I should call Oprah, I said. A shrink would probably be cheaper, even without insurance. Oh, well, I mean, if only, no. I think you should write for advice. They have life coaches in here, and money coaches, and relationship people. You don't have to do the Oprah staff. Write to that woman from the Tribune Republican, who does the two hearts column. Bet she'd be all over this. She loves heartbreak. I glared at Megan. You know what I mean, she said. This is her job. What are her qualifications, I said. I sniffed back tears that always lurked any time we started about Brandon Scratch the dick. You are worried about the newspaper lady's credentials, said Megan. I just don't want someone who's going to mess me up more, I said. Okay, okay, here, she said, picking up my phone. I'll look at her blog online. She tapped the screen. Here's a good one. Dear Hearts, I have been with my boyfriend for two and a half years. Recently, I flew to France with him to meet his family. I thought it went well. His sister and I really hit it off, and his mother and father were so sweet and kind. When we flew home, we talked about shopping for an engagement ring. Everything seemed perfect. But then, fast forward to a few months later, and things seemed to have fallen apart. He barely calls, cancels plans, and asked for my key to his apartment back because, quote, repair people will be doing work in his place soon. When I asked what is wrong, he said, family stuff, and nothing more. I don't understand what is happening. Did I insult his parents? Am I missing signals I should understand? Help? Sincerely confused Constance. Ouch, I said. What's the answer? Dear Constance, Megan read, that sounds so hard. You think you are on one route, and then the plane turns in the middle of the sky and heads off into the clouds in another direction. I wouldn't read into the family visit. It sounds like that went well. It might be related, but since the behavior is more recent, it might be tied to something else. Perhaps your boyfriend was caught up in the excitement of the visit when he started the marriage conversation and is now pulling back. I would encourage you to sit down and have an honest talk about where you both want your relationship to go and the pace at which you want to pursue that vision. Take heart. 
He could be acting this way for reasons completely separate from you, but the only way to find out is through open, honest communication. Readers, do you think the French family made her boyfriend want to say au revoir? Comment below. She didn't tell her that the boyfriend was probably banging Ruby since sophomore year spring break, I said. So how could she help me? Well, that wasn't what the question was about. There are others that are more related to your situation. Read those. I flopped over onto her lap, knocking the phone out of her hand. Or you could continue to imitate a wounded orca, she said. Why does no one feel my pain, I said. This is the worst feeling in the world. I know, said Megan. It sucks. It really does. I hate Brandon. I want to cut off his balls. Good, I said from her lap. She stroked my hair for a second. But it's still your senior year. You've lost the beginning of your last term to this dick. I don't want you to lose spring theater auditions or Carnegie Mellon auditions. None of it. Say it with me. Not because of the dick. Not because of the dick. Not because of the dick, I mumbled. There you go. You are on your way toward healing, which is good because my mom is texting me to pick up groceries on the way home. Mmph, I said, rolling onto my furry throw pillows. Read the column, Raina. Write to this woman. It couldn't hurt, right? I lifted my head. I guess not. I plopped back down onto the pillow. Megan tried to give me a hug before she got up and went home, though I refused to stop lying prone on the bed. I turned over and stared at the ceiling for a while. It was seven o'clock. Usually at seven, I'd text Brandon and he'd tell me all the latest gossip from mock trial. And I'd tell him what Claire had said that day before our exchange devolved into eggplant and peach emojis. I picked up my phone from the floor. The screen lit up with the two hearts column still open. Dear hearts, I read aloud. My fiance of two years recently announced he no longer could live with my four cats. Dot, dot, dot. They were all like that. Dudes changed their minds. Women got cold feet. Non-binary partners decided that their person's crippling debt was too much to take on. Two hearts really brought home the reality that love sucked for everyone and forever was a lie. Two hearts just tells people to keep going and honestly communicate their feelings. If I communicate my feelings in this way, I would like, I think I'll be arrested, I texted Megan. She didn't text back. She was probably getting ready for bed. She had the annoying habit of getting up for swim practice at 5 a.m., so she was never awake much past 9. I got up to pee. I wandered around the quiet, dark house. I kept picking up my phone, expecting Brandon to live text some video games or MSNBC on a really wild night. But nothing came. Around midnight, I sat down at my computer. My screen flashed to life, a picture of Brandon and I last homecoming. I went into my settings and changed it to a plain blue scratch purple screen. I opened up a Word doc. Dear two hearts, I said, typing the letters. What? I just turned 18 and thought I'd marry the first boy I ever kissed? How pathetic that seemed. But it was true. I led with that. I loved him, and he dumped me out of nowhere, I typed. No explanation other than he had moved on before even breaking up with me in the first place. And now I'm alone and I don't know what to do. I finished with the flourish. I didn't reread it. I didn't edit it. I just copied and pasted and emailed the remaining slices of my pride to the email address on the bottom of the two hearts page. I closed my computer, 
fell into bed and dreamed of Ruby and Claire chasing me with giant knives. And that is not the end of the chapter, but that is where I'm going to stop because the chapter is actually very, very long and I don't want to run into any copyright issues. So with that being said, I hope you found that chapter intriguing enough to check it out. If not, well, there's always another book just waiting to be discovered. So if you like theater books, there's a new book, well, new-ish. It's called Kind of a Big Deal by Shannon Hale. A lot of you may recognize that author's name, but that is definitely has a theater bent. There's also a book called The Backstagers. It's actually a series, and volume one is called Rebels Without Applause. So that's also about the theater world. Um, if you like books about girls that are maybe trying to change the system a little bit, one of my favorites is Dumplin' by Julie Murphy, and there are some spinoffs of that book, and they did do a movie version of Dumplin' on Netflix, I believe, and Jennifer Aniston plays the part of the mom. It's delightful. There's another one called Like Other Girls by Britta London. Anyway, I will have a book list ready at some point to link in with the show notes. Thank you for taking time to listen to the podcast, and join me next time for another Next Streets. Thanks. Thanks.